Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, welcome to another Fox Rugby podcast. Terrific to have your company with me this week, Sam Worthington from foxsports.com.au. And, well, we like to think of him as more than just the voiceover guy at the top of the show, Greg Clark. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to you. Nice to be back. Yes. Nice to be back. I'm off the bench again. That's right. Nice to have you back. And, uh, and joining us from Canberra, Brumby's forwards coach, Laurie Fisher. Laurie, welcome to you. Uh, thanks, Jess. Good to have you along on the, on the Fox Rugby podcast. Gee, um... You must be pretty happy uh, off the back of what was an outstanding performance. W- would you say that's the Brumbies' best performance of the season, the win over the Hurricanes? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, look, I think we've been making good progress since... I think we've made good progress on our tour to, to South Africa, uh, played some good rugby in, in the Sunwolves, and then to come back from the break and to take our game forward, I think was uh, was really exciting for us. But, uh, Laurie, I know it was a, a great win, um, but, gee... I, I couldn't help but think you left a couple of tries out there and that's sort of been the story of the year or the first half of the year, wasn't it? Just not being able to finish off the opportunities? Yeah, uh, it certainly was. Like if I think back to that Reds game when we drove over the line twice and couldn't get the ball down. Uh, I think to the Rebels game not letting go when we had the you know, first 15 minutes of the second half inside their 22. That's certainly been the case. But, but I guess what's pleasing for us is, is, the, is the change and the development we've been trying to make in our game to to be a bit more skillful, a bit more adventurous and, and to be uh, to being able to, to take the ball 75, 80 metres uh, in the passage of play is, is really pleasing. Yeah, and you scored some tries on the, on the weekend. There, there were some crackers in there and in the games before that, I think you scored about 15 tries in the two or three games leading into the clash with the Hurricanes. So that mindset of uh, the coaching staff to try and mix things up a bit, try and change things, it's certainly working. Well, it's just trying to develop our game. Like, I, I mean, the Bumbies have been very conservative for, for a period of time now. And, uh, and, and consequently, when you're playing conservatively, you're not developing the skill set to, uh, to, to play the game when it opens up. And we've all seen what Super Rugby demands of you now. You've got to be able to, to, uh, to offload. You've got to be able to play through the line. You've, you've, you know, you've got to, you've got to take a, uh, an element of risk in your game. And I think the Bumbies have been, pretty averse to that over a number of years now and uh, I know even earlier in the year when we turn a ball over or win an opposition line out in our D zone, our first instinct was to kick the ball away and give it back to the opposition. So it, it, those those habits don't change overnight and you've, and you've got to have a bit of a su- success with them. And I think that's where we are now. We're starting to see some habits changing and some new habits forming and I think the guys are enjoying that. Yeah, Larry, it must be a bit of a tracking balancing act to, you know, add these new facets to your game while also keeping the the, the components that have made the Brumbies really strong over the years and, and, you know, to keep the Hurricanes scoreless in the second half is an indication of that, to to add things without, you know, losing, the, the, the I guess, the identity of the team in the past? Yeah, it's true, but I think we want to create a new identity. Look, look we're not the balling side that they've been over the last couple of years. And, and, and again, we haven't spent the amount of time on it, and, it, and it, it's not demanding the, the same central place in our game. And um, uh, we, we want to be renowned for, for, for all, being an all-court team. Yes, we want to be able to scrummage and more, but we want to be able to attack from set piece. We want to be able to counter in a whole range of things. I, I, you know, I think that's what a side like the Crusaders bring, don't they? That they that they're good in all facets of the game and very strong defensively. 
that's where we want to be. So we, we need to be able to spend a sufficient amount of time in all those areas to be good in all those areas. Laurie, there's some really uh, strong personal performances last week. Tavita Kurandrani probably had his best game of the year. Uh, Rory Arnold had a really good game. We've come to expect that. But what about some of the, the young guns that you've got in that team now? Andrew Muirhead, who uh, he's, he's a great story, has really come from nowhere over the last 18 months or so. And, and Falau Fanger, who obviously got his chance with the Wallabies in June, just to be in and around that camp must have been unbelievable for him. What about some of those young guys coming through? They must please you no end. Yeah, look, we've got some good young players, and look, uh, a guy like Andrew Muirhead, and like he's not—he's not a big man, and he's not express speed, but he's got really good natural footballing instincts. He's got good balance when he runs, and yeah, you, you, you like a guy that's just a, a natural footballer, and uh, he—he you know, he, he knows how to follow a ball, he knows how to organise, he—he sees things. So that's a—that's a great attribute, rather than just being an athlete. So. I like what Andy brings to our team, uh, and Salau, like for a guy who, need, who had to step up uh, from that Rebels game, round round two onwards or round three onwards, I think he's been excellent for us. His games going all the time, and again, he's that new breed of player that he's got that he's got set piece ability. He's got a lovely throw, but he, he's he's got yeah, he's got carry, he's got offload, and again, he's just got a great read and feel for the game. So. We're really pleased with, with, with what those young guys bring, and I was particularly pleased for Tavita last week. That I, I think we struggled to bring him in the game early in the year. We sort of played behind him and around him and everything else. Instead of just giving the ball what he does best in, a, in that sort of 10, 12 seam run hard, take, take defenders with you and recycle quickly. And, and we saw him back to his best uh, on the weekend. I was just going to ask you about uh, Tavita Kurandrani because... Big news this week is that Samu Karevi is out for 12 to 16 weeks and he wore the 13 jersey for the Wallabies in that three-test series against Ireland. So it's there for Tavita now. And um, as you say, he is certainly getting into the game more often. And, uh, you know, 103 games now for the for the Brumbies. So he's tried. He's, um, you know, uh, the guy that I, I'm sure Checker will now go to. Yeah, and, and look, he's, he's probably a different sort of player. Is You've got to find ways to involve Tavita in the game, and certainly his first phase running lines are superb. And then, and then if he if he hops back on a short side, and you try and find him back there. But uh, he is a guy. You know, the, the way that they communicate, he finds it difficult to impose himself on the game. So it's about constructing things where he can have an involvement that, that suits his skill set. And, uh, and I think that you know we've got a little bit more of that over the last few weeks. Larry, that great win has kept your finals hopes alive. Um, you know, you're going to have to win the next two games and hope other things go your way. So ha- what's the mindset in the group? Are you, are you discussing finals? Obviously a, a tricky assignment against the Chiefs this week, for starters. Yeah, no, look, look no, not at all. We're really just focusing on trying to stay on an upward curve. And as I say, we've probably been on that. Like, like our first half against the Rebels at home was excellent. Our second half was, was shocking. But then since, we beat, since the, the Lions game, the Bulls game, the Sunwolves game, uh, and now the Hurricanes game, it's, it's been a nice upward curve on all the things that we've been working on and talking about uh, since the pre-season. So we just want to stay on that upward curve. And you know, ideally, that, that means winning. But, but more importantly, it means uh, playing the, the game that we want to play and, and being brave in, being, in that game. And, and we'd like to think we'll play a strong possession game against the Chiefs on the weekend. We don't want to be kicking the ball away to them, giving them counter-attacking opportunities. So 
it'll it'll test us because they're a good defensive side and the likes of Sam Kane coming hard at you. So we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We're a real barometer of, of where we are going as a team, uh, playing a quality side like that uh, away from home. Laurie, it's really interesting to hear you say that about um, just wanting to stay on that upward curve. It's very reminiscent of what Dave Vessels has been saying as well about the Rebels, and he's been saying that they haven't even spoken about finals either, and, and clearly they're probably in a slightly better position in terms of the finals race than, than you guys are. Is that something that um, that coaches do to try and uh, almost keep their team and their, their players' feet on the ground and not letting those players get ahead of themselves by a couple of weeks where you really have to concentrate on that next game? Is that a, a conscious thing, that the, a technique that you use almost? Yeah, look, I, I think it's certainly the case when you're in the chasing pack and, you, and, and you're not you're not up up the front there. So, uh, look, and, and most coaches they, they talk about process and, and and that's what it's all about, trying to get your processes right. Now, I, I don't want to throw a bag load of jargon at you, but but it is very much about trying to get uh, the bits and pieces uh, together for our game, and that, and that's what we're, we're focusing on and building towards the back of this year and next year, like. If you get those things right, the, the, the finals football becomes a possibility. We probably left our run a little bit late uh, with, a, with a couple of tight results. I mean, again, if you beat the Reds in that early game, if we don't throw away a 21-3 lead against the Rebels, the table looks entirely different. And some people might say, well, Rebels are having a great year, we're having a shocking year. But really, on the, on the, on the result of one game, then you'd be sitting almost level on the, on the table. So... That's why you can't get you can't get wrapped up in 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 log points. It really is about performance. It's about uh, the skills, about th- those sorts of things, and the, and the development you're showing on the training paddock. But Laurie, you've been around for a long time, coaching at the top level. So tell us about the the frustration. How do you handle it? Because the uh, the Brumbies, uh, you are the team that ended the Hurricanes' record of 12 straight wins in Trans Trans Tasman derbies, um, and you broke a run of 13 games on the losing side against New Zealand team. So all the signs are there. You've won three on the trot for the first time in a couple of seasons. And already I, I sense that you, you have to start thinking about next year. So that's the frustration. You can't really think about this year. No, that's absolutely right, mate. And, and, and that, which is why that we want to just keep that, keep that build going. Uh, and, and, and again, I guess what we found out is, is where we're trying to take our team is, 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 is a model that can be successful in Super Rugby. It then gives us a, a recruiting model to try and get players that, that might suit more the game that we're going to that we're trying to play rather than the game that we used to play. So there's a whole uh, a lot of thinking that now that, that will go into how we can finish this season, how we can best launch into next season. But at this stage, we'd rather be in, in finals contention. But but I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that we're on an upward curve now. And our focus is just making sure that, that our, our skills and our mindsets and our understanding continue to build. Laurie, just on a more personal note, you've obviously had some time away in, in England, uh, come back to, to Canberra, a place you, you know and love. Um, but helping out Dan McKellar in his first season as a, a head coach, obviously he uh, comes from a forwards background. You've, you've taken that portfolio. Just how's that uh, transition been? What, what's the coaching dynamic like? And, and, and how do you see Dan's future as a, as a head coach? Yeah, look, I think Dan's he's doing a fantastic job and he's got great support, I know, from the players, the coaching staff, but also the you know, the, the, the board and the CEO. So 
everybody understands. Like, like, you know, I know Brumbies have made finals for the last five years, but they were six from sixteen last year. So that yeah, that's that's not a great record. So we all understand um, that there's progress needs to be made, and, and and we've lost some excellent players in recent time over the last two or three years, and haven't replaced them or developed players to that quality. So there's a level of patience around, and we just want to see those signs that uh, the game's going forward. I think Dan's got a great handle on where he wants the game to be and on what sort of environment he wants to create here. And, and it's just up to us to support him, uh, to be there to, for him to bounce ideas off, to, you know, to agree or disagree as we see fit. And, and I think we've got a really good uh, a really good staff down here that's working well. That, that um, Dan probably looks a little bit more at the defence side, which is where he came into the Brumbies as a defence coach initially. And... and uh, but again, you know, we all, I guess, have a look at each other's areas and, and, and there's a comfort in, in, in providing advice or feedback to amongst the coaches. So we're, you know, I, I think we've made good progress this year and we'll continue to do so. And Laurie, I know you like being put on the spot. Dan McKellar on uh, radio in Canberra on the weekend said that uh, expect at least 10 of the 39-man squad to uh, to move on next year. So who, who are we talking about, apart from uh, Nicerani, who's been linked with the Rebels, and Kyle Godwin is going to Connacht to team up with uh, Friendy uh, over in uh, in Ireland? Uh, are we talking about fringe players, or have you got a, uh, any other news for us? <laughs> Look, it's probably not my position to talk about that, but I, but I need to defer to the head coach, and uh, he'll, he'll make those announcements uh, at the appropriate time, mate. I don't want to... I'm going to step outside my lane too far. But it's a transition, isn't it? Most teams, um, it's no surprise that, that five or ten players move on every year because um, that's just a fact of life, retirements and, and people looking for opportunities elsewhere. So we look well, forward that, to that. Yeah, you need that renewal. And, and I guess if, if they were big-name players, you'd have probably heard about it by now. So that, that, might be a, that might be a telling thing in itself. Mate, I had to uh, head for the wardrobe last week and not uh, pull out one big woolen jumper, but uh, I also took a woolen coat to Canberra and I looked down in the warm-up and you're still running around in your shorts in the middle of winter in Canberra. But what about the uh, the stadium there? Um, 6,821 turning out for Brumbies and, and the Hurricanes, uh, two teams with great rivalry. Uh, gee, I'd love to see a, a roof on that stadium. That's right. It, it's... Um... I, 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 yeah, given that you can go down to your local club and, and uh, have a nice schnitzel and a couple of schooners and uh, and watch and watch the footy in comfort, that that it, it, you know Canberra style GI stadiums probably yeah it, it's not the venues of what these days. So um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of government issues around that, but I, but I do think uh, a nice indoor stadium in the city area somewhere would be fantastic for Canberra sport generally and. Look, I know it's on the agenda, but uh, maybe in my lifetime, maybe not. But, I, I, but but above and beyond that, that we've got to play a brand of football that, that gets the gets the people back. Like the Canberra population is growing. I think we're I don't know four hundred odd thousand now. So there's people there if we provide the the, the product for them, and uh, and that's what we aim to do to to be a, a team that they want to come along and watch. One of the superstars that uh, that. Uh, spectators love to go along and watch. Uh, David Pocock, um, I want to get your views on the treatment he received on the weekend. And I'm not suggesting that the Hurricanes are the first or, or the last team that uh, will will treat uh, David Pocock the way he was treated on the weekend with, with the neck roll and the way he was being cleaned out. What's your view on that and, and what needs to change from an officiating point of view? 
don't think anything needs to change from the fish hunting point of view. I mean, the neck roll is illegal and it got and it got penalised. It's, it's it's for the for I guess for the for people to decide whether it's just a penalty offence or whether it's a yellow card offence. Uh, uh, but but I, I mean, yeah, David's a, he's a hard man on the ball. He's a target for everybody. He puts his body on the line. So I, you know, I didn't think he was unfairly treated. I, I, you know, I mean, the, the neck roll you, you don't want to see in the game, and he's, you know, but but he, he, he's hard to shift. So I, I think sides will have to come up with different strategies, and perhaps if it is a yellow card offence. And sides will need to work, have to work a little bit harder to find out, to find ways to shift him. He certainly come back in superb form, like he was outstanding for the Wallabies in the, in the Irish series, and, and he's been probably central to, to us taking our game forward. Not only with his on-field performance, but his his uh, maturity and, and 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 growth in his in his leadership amongst the group. So he's uh, enormously valuable to us. And one last one before we let you go, uh, we've got Billy Meeks on Kick and Chase on Wednesday night, and of course you would have uh, had a fair bit to do with him at Gloucester. Look, a, a great guy, Bill, and uh, you know, I, I got uh, so much admiration for him that he, he went over there, took a chance, he was playing at Clifton down in Bristol and, and uh, gets an opportunity uh, and honestly made the most of it. His development as a, as a player, like in his two years on full contract over there, was outstanding. He went from a from nothing nothing player to a to a to a genuine starting player in the Premiership, and he's and he's come back here with the the force and now the Rebels and, and taking his game further forward. And again, he's a guy that's just got great natural instincts. He understands rugby, uh, he sees opportunities, and he's got good physicality as well. So uh, really pleased that uh, for what he's been able to do in, in the game. Yeah, certainly one of the big improvers in Australian rugby, no doubt about that. Hey, Laurie, terrific to uh, have a, a chat with you, and, and great that you could join us on the Fox Rugby podcast. It's a pleasure, gentlemen. Catch you later. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Laurie Fisher doing a great job. He's the perfect guy to have with the Brumbies at the moment with a new head coach, Dan McKellar. And you go back to last year with the Western Force and Dave Vessels had Joe Barricat there and he had Alan Gaffney as his mentor. Where if you look at the demise of the Reds... In recent times, you know, they had rookie coaches, Nick Styles, who had a couple of club coaches coming in there and no real senior guy sort of help, helping them out. And uh, I think it's working very well. And, yeah, he's a great guy, Laurie, and loves Canberra. So, uh, yeah, look out for the Brumbies in 2018, it's, 19. It's interesting, isn't it, how, how a coach like that who's, you know, coached all over the world can come back and, and seemingly, I mean, I don't know Laurie, Laurie well, but seemingly quite happy to... To play second fiddle, he doesn't doesn't necessarily want to be the guy. He's quite happy to to be the the mentor and uh, and sit in the shadows and uh, and just do what he does best. Look at the Waratahs. So Daryl Gibson, three years under Michael Checker, and now three years as head coach. And this is clearly his best year as head coach. So it takes time, and uh, you know a, a good young coach is the, the the guy that's going to put his hand out and say to a senior guy, "Yeah, I'll take advice from you if you've got anything to offer." And um, Clearly, uh, Laurie's still got a lot to offer down in, in Canberra, so good luck to them. Mm. Yeah, crucial to have that intellectual property and experience back in Australian soil. There's so many good Aussie coaches in Europe, aren't there, um, playing their trade, and, and it's been a bit of a, an exodus of experience recently. So, yeah, absolutely crucial that uh, they're, they're passing on all that knowledge, not only to the players, but, but to the coaches, like you say. There's only certain jobs in Australian rugby. We've got four Super Rugby teams now. I ran into Phil Blake in Sydney 
only uh, last week and he's been at Wasp for a couple of seasons. He was head coach at the Force for a while there and he's been the Wallaby assistant coach. He's been a manly coach and uh, he, he's on the lookout as well but there's uh, nothing around and, and there's so many Phil Blakes running around the world trying to trying to make a living. So, yeah, it's the, the, the fortunate ones that get a gig in, in Australia. The others have got to make do overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clarkie, you mentioned that you were in a, a cold camera on Saturday night. You were in a cold Melbourne on, on Friday night as well. It was uh, pretty chilly down there, but gee, there was some uh, hot action on the field. Yep. The Waratahs and the Rebels, would you say that's one of the best local derbies we've had this year? Yeah, and I'm really enjoying the, some of the local derbies in 20, 2018. 15 tries, the Reds and the, the Waratahs, and uh, you know the critics said, oh, where was the, the defence? Well, I was looking the other way. I'm thinking, have mm. a look at the attack on uh, on offer. And it was a, just a good grind last week. I, I thought it was, um, well, the Waratahs, they said they were lucky to, uh, to get out of it. But what I liked about the Waratahs' win the other night was that they were, were able to win a big game like that and not play all that well. So we know they're going to improve when uh, Israel comes back and uh, Hooper comes back, hopefully, for the for the playoffs. To me, in the, in the second half, I'm thinking, the Rebels are playing this like a grand final. They threw everything except the kitchen sink at the, at the Waratahs, and they came up empty simply because they just couldn't control that last uh, five minutes or so. Well, and, and there was that period, what was it, 20, 25 minutes? I, I can't remember... The Rebels having played a period of rugby like that just after half time, where they were right on top of the Waratahs, they were given the opportunity to kick a couple of penalty goals. Took the opportunity. Should they have maybe rolled the dice a little bit and, and come away with more points during that period of time? Kicked to the corner because they had all the momentum. They, they just maybe played it a bit conservatively, a bit safe. Yeah. So uh, three penalties to uh, Reese Hodge in that uh, period in the second half when they were absolutely dominating. So at the end of the day, if you look at the stats, the Waratahs scored four tries to two. The Waratahs led 17-10 at, at half time, and the Waratahs led by five at, the, at full time, 31-26. to 26. So, you know, I, I think the Rebels blew it. I just hope they can rebound now because I just love to see them in the, in the playoffs. It'll be great to have two Australian teams in the, in the top eight, but in particular the Rebels, who haven't been there before, and I just know how much effort has gone into the Rebels this year. And Dave Vessels, along with Joe Barricat and Sean Byrne and Kevin Foote, are doing a great job. Uh, they were missing Adam Coleman and also Will Genia the other mm. night, and yet they uh, they almost knocked over the, the top team in the Australian Conference. Well, it just goes to show then, like you say, if they are to uh, to sneak into the finals for the first time in their history, they must beat the Reds this weekend, Sammy, on, on Friday night. Uh, that is a huge game. The Reds have... Stated, they have two aims. They want to be the wreckers now, so they want to, but want to be the landmine on the road to the finals for for the rebels, and they also want to avoid the wooden spoon, uh, and they've got to play the Sunwolves uh, next week. So that's a, a massive game on Friday night, the Rebels and the Reds. Yeah, the Reds aren't a team that you'd want to be playing in this scenario. Even though they are out of, out of the running, you can be sure that Brad Thorns are racking up the, the troops, and I'm sure they've got another big performance or two in the Reds. So um, Dave Vessels will be well aware of that. Um, they should have the class to get it done, as touched upon Samu Karevi, um, unfortunately out for the Reds as well. So they're really scrambling to, to come up with a centre pairing. And yeah, just, just positive that there's three Aussie teams with two rounds to go in the mix for the finals. Hasn't been in the... Uh, the case in recent seasons. Uh, just going through the permutations with some of the, the great statisticians that we've got here. As, as it stands, it would be Crusaders, Rebels uh, in round one. There'd be two Aussie teams in the mix, but the Brumbies do have a, an outside chance to, to make a nuisance of themselves if they can keep on winning.
What I'm really looking forward to in the next couple of weeks is teams like the Brumbies and the Reds, yeah, okay, having a real crack, but uh, some of the talent just developing, continuing to de- develop. Like if you look at the locks at the moment, mm. when you talk about the Melbourne Rebels, so there was no Adam Coleman, and how good was Matt Phillip the, the other night? And then, uh, of course, with the, with the Brumbies, no Sam Carter, but Rory Arnold was back to his best, and I thought uh, Blake Anivis' uh, game was the best he'd played all year as well. And then you've got Richie Arnold on the bench, and you go to the Waratahs, and you know Rob Simmons is there, 126 Super Rugby caps, and uh, you know Jed Holloway is making a good fist of it there as well. So we're developing depth in some of those key positions. And win or lose on Friday night, the good thing about the Reds is, uh, well, hopefully Rodder will be there, but Lucan Tui and, and Caleb Timu, if these guys can contrib- can continue to uh, contribute and develop, uh, it's just going to be great for the for the Wallabies going forward. So while the Reds can't make the playoffs. A lot of their individual players, in particular those forwards that I mentioned, have a great opportunity just to um, you know, continue to push for Wallaby gold. You talked about Matt Phillip. Now, on Friday night um, in, in the postgame with Hoylsey, Hoylsey is, abs- Stephen Hoylsey, absolutely insistent that Matt Phillip, if he continues his trajectory, will be a key for the Wallabies at the World Cup. He thinks he's that good, and it's because of uh, the fact he's got pretty good feet you know he can beat the first tackler a lot of times he's got good hands he, he says that he is the missing piece of, of the puzzle if he continues on on the path that he's forging for himself right now yeah interesting um i like him as well he's, he's didn't do anything wrong for the wallabies when he got those brief uh, chances last season and, and yeah he's um apparently an incredibly hard-working intelligent player like a real student of the game that immerses himself in the books and, and gets all that stuff right so yeah no reason why he he can't be right there in the the mix um it's a very competitive spot uh lock at the moment it's probably the michael checker wishes he had such competition in the number 10 jersey um for instance but yeah look if luke Antui does make number six his own then then there's you know squad spots for locks as well so i'm not not too sure how you guys See, it's uh, Rob Simmons probably coming to the end of his time, but still doing a reliable job for the Tars. Um, yeah, pretty pretty competitive spot at the moment. Well, I'll tell Rob you said that because he's, <laughs> he's only twenty nine. <laughs> yeah, you know, so uh, forwards uh, really don't develop until well, in the old days they didn't develop develop until they were in their late twenties, early thirties. But Rob's uh, such a good line out technician, so uh, he's a handyman to have in and around the squad for for that reason alone. Um, what's going to happen at the end of the uh, the season? People in Queensland are going to look back and say, did Brad make the right call? Did Brad Thorne make the right call? Quade Cooper back from injury, a couple of tries for South. We're talking club rugby, I know, but every time he plays, they're talking about bums on seats. So South can go anywhere in Brisbane and uh, the opposition teams get an extra 500000 I don't know, pick a number, through, through the gate. So they're all making money out of Quade Cooper. And Carmichael Hunt only this week uh, saying that... Um, you know, he wants to go back and do some squad training with uh, with the Reds. So what's going to happen there? Mm. It's a very strange situation. What about the number 13 jersey with Samu going down? Um, I think you, you said you'd go with Kieran Drowney, no question. He's the safe option. I, I wouldn't mind Reese Hodge getting the go there and, and just seeing what he's... If you, if you put him there now, he could have an extended run through to the end of the season. I think he needs a chance to make one position his home. We, we saw against Ireland, he was coming off the bench but didn't have a real role to play, did he? He was just getting thrown out there. And, and, and what, what's his actual role as an impact player? So I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him get that opportunity. Curtis Rohn is going to be in the mix as it's well. A, it's an interesting one because under the, the Michael Checker philosophy, you feel like if you've got a playmaker at 12, he likes that bigger body at 13, doesn't he? That's what I was thinking because um, if you look at Tavita... He's, what, uh, 110, 107, 8 kgs. 
and uh, Reese's in the in, in the nineties. So I haven't seen Reese play a lot of thirteen. We're talking about you know the Bledisloe Cup. We're talking about the Springboks. So we're talking about some of the best teams in the world that they'll uh, come up against. And we know that Reese can now play ten, but he can play you know, fullback, wing, and inside centre. So. I mentioned Tavita Kirandrani because he's 58 tests. He's, he's been there. He's done that, and some of his best rugby has been in Wallaby Gold. So I'd be I'd be leaning towards him and and Reece. It's unfortunate when people get um, labelled a utility player, but uh, that's what he is. You know, it wouldn't be. He's a fantastic guy to have on the bench. He can come on anywhere from 10 to 15, really. So we'll see what happens there. But a uh, long way to go. Uh, Tom English, captain. He's, he's yep. stepped up this year, and Tom's been in and around the Wallaby squads, training squads for a, for a couple of years. Uh, and, um, you know, I think he's had his best year as well. So whether or not he's a, a guy you could put straight, straight in against the All Blacks. But, yeah, Tavita's got the runs on the board at this stage. And, and certainly look to have found some form, if anything, uh, or if last week was anything to go by. Talking about 10s, and you're talking about Quade Cooper there and, uh, and you know, who is really the backup now for Bernard Foley. Um, spotted at uh, his local coffee shop in Sydney, uh, in the last couple of weeks, one uh, M. Tamua. And uh, that story or, or rumour, call it what you like, that uh, he will be back in Australian rugby sooner rather than later and potentially in time uh, to be considered for the World Cup in 2019, that is a story that is, is still lingering. Well, there's a question mark over Christian Leofano. He signed a, a short-term deal with one of the Toyota uh, clubs in uh, Japan, They've got two clubs, the Toyota. So he's 30 now. Uh, will he be back in Super Rugby next year? So there could be an opening at 10 mm. at the Brumbies. And, of course, well, Matt would slot straight in there. And, of course, also... I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it might not be the Brumbies. I'm hearing right. it might be the Melbourne Rebels. Mm. Which would be uh, uh, perhaps the last piece in their puzzle or, or one of the pieces in their puzzle, if, if that was the case. Not a bad get. Watch the space, yeah. Elise Perry, obviously um, Matt's wife, so uh, no doubt her sporting interests and future will play a huge part in this. But yeah, clearly that's uh, that's the number one um, position that they need to bolster in Australian rugby. No, no doubt about it. Uh, most of the other positions are looking pretty healthy at the moment. You know, front row, um, lock, and, and an even back row is starting to to come together. So no doubt that if they can get another quality five eight, uh, Michael Checker will be able to sleep a lot more comfortably tonight. Well, not only Michael Checker, you know, a bit of competition doesn't hurt. I I imagine Bernard Foley would would like someone in the mix to to be able to you know push him as well. As competition for places is is a good thing. It, it makes players better. Yeah, at this stage isn't uh, Curtly the the backup officially? Yeah, I guess he would be. And, and I'd I'd actually like to see him. Um Get an opportunity at ten um, during this test season. I know that they're the big tests, and you've got to play your best lineup. But I, I just think if, if he is the the backup, we haven't actually seen him there. Um, get, give him some time there and, and see um, how he goes in that position, just just to increase your options a year out from the World Cup. He does come in to first receiver quite a lot, yeah. so um, I'm sure he'll be able to uh, step up. No, no doubt about that. But. Uh uh, so the Waratahs this week. Yeah, Sunwolves. Sunwolves and the Sunwolves. They won, what, three of their last five or so games. Mm-hmm. So they're having an absolute crack, aren't they? Uh, whether they can keep it going now for another week yeah, up against the, a team like the uh, the Waratahs who are at home and there's so much at stake. 
and Falau will be back and the Waratahs know that they got out of jail in Melbourne last week so they'll be pretty keen to get the job done. They're brilliant to watch the Sunwolves. It's very rare that you've got a, a wooden spoon type team in any sport that you know is, is one that you really want to watch each uh, weekend. They just uh, obviously play with a lot of spirit and a lot of adventure and uh, yeah, you, you find yourself tuning into them, don't you? And uh, yeah, just, just a fun team to watch. And it's interesting, you know, behind all of this is the discussion about what Super Rugby looks like going forward and, and the expansion teams. You know, look at the Haguaras, how they've been going over the last couple of months. And, and now... Uh, Japan of well, Japan, sorry, the Sunwolves have started to win games as well. There's uh, some development going on. There's no doubt about it. They just need to be able to put their best team on the paddock, and they weren't able to do that in that lead up to the June Test window because Jamie Joseph, who is the Sunwolves head coach, uh, called the guys back to uh, the national training camp, and uh, certainly they were they were scratching around for for players when they played a couple of games down on Australian soil, but. Um, yeah, when they get their best team on the paddock, when they get a sniff, uh, they'll have an absolute crack. No, no doubt about that. But um, Israel Falau back this yeah. week. That's uh, that's pretty handy. How, how's your? For those that don't know, you, your son uh, Cam, of course, plays on the wing for the the Waratahs. How's he looking after a bit of a uh, yeah head head to the turf scenario last week? Yeah, they've got protocols that they have to. Um, you know, get through, and uh, so far, I believe um, that it, everything's going to to plan. It wasn't; he didn't black out or anything, so that that's one good sign. It was mild concussion, but I, I don't think um, Seth and Ivala will be on his Christmas card list. <laughs> <laughs> he actually almost split him in two. It was a magnificent cover cover tackle from uh, from Sefer. But um, yeah, how do you go call? That was the first thought I had uh, sitting on the couch. I know you get asked about this, but having to to call that when your son has a, an incident like that it's, uh, can't be easy, mate. No, it's not easy, but uh, but he's a player with number 14 on his back, and that's a deal I've, all, I've always had with him with sevens, and now he's playing 15. You know, it's it's television, and uh, people can see for themselves what's happening out there. So yeah, I've just got to call it as I see it. And uh, my initial reaction the other night, if you really want to know, was that um, it was a great covering tackle, mm. number one, and and I thought uh, he was winded because, um, you know, Sefer drove his, his sort of head into his midriff and... And I thought, oh, he's probably probably winded, and it wasn't until I saw a replay that he'd uh, bumped his head on the on, on the ground. But mm. it happens; it could have been number eleven. So you call it as it is. So you know, um, touch wood, uh, he'll continue to sort of live the dream and play his rugby. Uh, that's what he loves doing. So good on him, Clarkie. You've been watching the Waratahs for many many years now, and uh, you've seen them at this end of the season in the hunt on a number of occasions. How deep can they go? Uh, with their best, and you've seen glimpses of their best in 2018, how deep can they go into the finals? I'll look back to when they won the uh, the title, and they were on a, they were on a roll then. They won their last nine or ten ten games, and uh, they were playing some some pretty good rugby. And a bit like last week, they managed to find a way to uh, to win week in and week out. That hasn't been the case. Uh, in 2018, but uh, now they've got an opportunity to finish on top of the table, or on top of the Australian table, to finish second and get a home semi. And we know they're much better at home than uh, than than away. You know, I, I just think that if you look at their performances against the four Kiwi teams in that block of four, should have beaten the Crusaders up by 29 points to nil. Had a golden opportunity to beat the Chiefs. Glenn Jackson, the referee, calls a, a, a what looked to be a legitimate pass, uh, calls it forward, and uh, the Jacko Warwick... listens to this, you know, yeah, yeah avid yeah. listener. Yeah, sorry, Glenn. Yeah, uh, well, whoever the referee was, yeah, <laughs> um, Jack, then... Jack Glenson, I think his name was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and then. Um, uh, Blues at uh, Brookvale Oval. They had the opportunity to to win there, and 
you know, Curley thought it was uh, they were playing advantage in the end. He puts the kick across field rather than keep it ball in hand because the Blues look to be out on their feet and uh, the Blues hold on and get away with that. So they had an opportunity to win three or four of those games against the Kiwi. So that gave me a lot of hope. Uh, if they can now get their act together against the Sunwolves and then uh, finish with a win over the Brumbies, I think they'll take plenty of momentum into the playoffs. But uh, I, I, I look at the Waratahs and, and for me, they're the only team an Australian team that can go deep. I just think after the Rebels threw everything at uh, the Waratahs last week, I just don't know whether they're going to bounce back or not. But hopefully they'll get into the playoffs. How far they go, who knows, because they will be playing away from home. And if uh, if the Brumbies continue as they played on the weekend, that, that final round local derby is going to be an yeah. absolute ripper. And it has to be for uh, the Australian rugby's sake. All right. Um, good chat, gentlemen. Thank you very much for that. Always good to catch up with Laurie Fisher as well um, whenever we get the opportunity. So we thank him for his time today. And, uh, and thank you once again for listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. <laughs>